candid Christian conversations. It's not your typical Christian programming. We tackle topics with absolute honesty and share our own personal struggles. We do not approach our conversations from a perspective of shouting down to you from the mountaintop. More so, we're climbing up the mountain alongside you. We believe that having these very personal conversations in public can help someone out there overcome their private struggle. This time on Candid Christian Conversations, is it okay to cut off family members? Joining me for this topic, it is Edmund. Edmund, it's so great to have you back. Well, thank you for having me. First, how do you define family? Are we only talking about blood or does that mean something different to you? To me, it means something different. I have found that my friends have been a lot closer to me than my own family. The friends that I've grown up with, the friends that I've met along the way of going into my adulthood have been closer to my family who I've been, who I've known my whole life, who I've grew up with. So I define family as something that just grows with you, I guess. I like that definition because it does not necessarily just mean blood family, because sometimes there are circumstances where people don't have true blood family through adoption, through death and other things. And they take on a whole nother group of people that becomes their family. Agreed. The Lord commands us to honor our father and thy mother. This is the fifth commandment. Exodus twenty twelve. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. If a parent is doing something that goes against the word of God, or if we simply have conflict with them, how do we also honor them? I feel for me personally, I've dealt with this very situation. I don't have contact with my mother or my father. Um, Both are alive, both live in different states. And to honor them, you know, I pray for them from a distance. But I know with us coming together, there's nothing but conflict. So I honor them by keeping them in my prayers and just keeping the line of communication open. They have contact. They have a way to contact me. But I just keep my distance. I love that you said you keep the lines of communication open. I think that's very important. It's pivotal to us as Christians to keep the door ajar. Uh, My mother taught me that. I've said several times on this particular podcast that uh, my mother always kept the light on and the door cracked for everyone. And I think it is essential because you just never know when God's going to touch someone's heart and they might have an epiphany and you don't want to miss out on that part of it. Um, Also, I do agree that you can honor your father and your mother from a distance. Sometimes it is necessary because If you are only going to interact with them and it causes strife, then you're not doing any kind of service to them. So sometimes knowing your limitations and knowing that this is uh, creating a lot of negativity every time we get together, every time we try to uh, communicate and stuff, knowing that then keeping your distance can be the most respectful thing you can do in some cases. And I feel it's, it's responsible because seeing the setting of your relationship and the acting accordingly, it creates peace versus the stress of trying to fix something that's not working. Can't fit a circle into a square hole in most cases, in my case, really. So keeping that distance, keeping the line of communication open, because if they want to contact me, they can, um, works better for me. 
if we cannot reconcile with a family member, how does that work when we are asked to forgive? I have a scripture that I am going to go to because this is one thing that people get confused a lot. But I want to hear what you have to say first. I forgive them for myself and I even let them know that I forgive them, but I'm not seeking to put things back the way they were. So it's like, for example, if my sister does something to me. You know what? I forgive her, Lord. Pray for her to be blessed in whatever she's got going on. But I'm going to continue moving on doing me. I don't have any ill feelings towards her. I don't have any hatred towards her, but I have to move on with my life. This is what I want people to really, really carefully listen, because I, I had a terrible situation with a couple family members. Well, more than a couple, a lot of family members in the recent past. And people always misquote uh, certain scripture. Well, almost every scripture in the Bible at some point gets misquoted. But I want you to listen really carefully to what this says. This is Luke 17.3. This is in the King James Version of the Bible. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Do you see the critical terminology in here? So you have the trespass against you. You rebuke them. And if he repent, forgive him. It doesn't say there's the trespass rebuke him, then forgive him. It says, and if he repent. So do you see the critical nature of that verse right there? They need to seek forgiveness as well. Is, is that what you're trying to say? Exactly. They have to repent from what they've done. Wow. People always just say, well, the Christian thing to do is to forgive. Okay. Forgive this person who has embezzled all my money and ran away and is not sorry about it. Show me that verse. Show me the chapter in the verse of, of that. And they can't because this is, to me, it's clear. Right. It's just like when we trespass against the Lord, there has to be repentance. You know, you have to be, have, be sorry for what you've done. You see, I have a situation that reflects this scripture where I had a friend who I looked at as a brother. He would gossip about me and I confronted him about it. And I brought a witness with me when I confronted him to create a environment of peace so we can get an understanding, a mediator, I should say. And after that conversation, it didn't work. He still had these, you know, attitudes towards me. So then I went to my pastor, sat with him, talked to him, talked with him about the situation. And the person still wouldn't, you know, try to create peace with our, within our situation. So then I said, you know what, I'm just going to let it go because based off the scripture you just shared, he has not sought to repent on his part of our disagreement. So I forgave him and I moved forward, but it's up to him to do what he needs to do. According to the scripture you shared for things to be better between us. Can we forgive someone without having anything to do with that person? What do you think, Edmund? I do believe we can forgive someone without having anything to do with them. I've done that many of times and both parties have been able to move forward with their lives. I found that forgiving someone is for you and moving forward is for you as well. Because if you can't come to a peaceful solution to whatever the issue was or just being around them causes so much stress, you just need to move forward. You can forgive them. 
within yourself and just continue on. Yeah, I, I struggle with this one personally because I think internally, have I truly forgiven that person if I don't want to have anything to do with them? And then on the other hand, we know that we are all sinful. Therefore, uh, if we're just trying to stay away from that type of sin, whatever it may be, whether it's anger, wrath, gossip, whatever it may be, then maybe it is for the best at that time until we can do better. So I struggle with this personally because I've had some people do crazy things that I think are just insane and then they don't see the problem with it. And you're like, wow, how do you not see that that is something terrible to do? And then it just makes it hard to keep moving forward with them in your face all the time. So maybe sometimes it is better to move forward without that individual because it's like any relationship when you break up with your girlfriend or if you get a divorce from your wife you're not gonna still be in each other's faces constantly i would assume so it's, it's kind of no different than any other relationship where you have to step back in some cases and move forward well i would like to um direct you back to the scripture you just pointed out where the other person has to repent if the other person doesn't repent you don't have the right to allow yourself to be in that position to feel disrespected because they won't repent. You owe it to yourself to move forward. I like that. The examples you gave, because I'm a divorced man and things that my ex-wife did to me is like, you know what? I forgive her for myself and move forward. She has never apologized or anything of that for things she's done. But for myself, you know what? I forgive you because I'm not going to walk around with this hatred towards you. I'm just going to move on with my life and do what I have to do for me because you can't control other people. You can't control what they're going to do, how they're going to feel about you. You can only control what you do and how you feel about the situation and your moves. That is very well stated. If both family members are believers, does it mean that one is wrong and the other is right? Or can both be right or both wrong? If both are believers, then I don't honestly, I don't think this should be an issue. If both our believers, both are practicing the word of God, both are moving in that way, there has to be a point of a civil conversation to make things right. Because if we're both following the word of God, it says to go to your brother, go to your sister that you have not with and fix the problem. But if you can't fix it, you know, leave your, what is, I think it says, leave your, your gift at the altar and continue on or whatever. That's just what you have to do. And this is another dicey one because it's kind of subjective because some people may be practicing more than others. Some people may be at a different point of their salvation than the other person is. I'm not saying that somebody clearly has to be right and somebody clearly has to be wrong, but I've seen believers get into it enough to where I know there's got to be something to it as far as they still haven't overcome. And just because somebody sins differently than you do doesn't mean that they've got it all figured out either. So that one I think is really dicey because I think the word of God has always got to be the final judgment. So what I personally do is I look for other factors. So sometimes people will say they're this or they are that. And then you look for inconsistencies. So 
they're this great person, but they don't truly know the word or they misuse verses to fit their argument, stuff like that. I look at things of that nature to try to make my own decision on if I could count on this person or if this person is legitimate or if they're just saying one thing and doing another. This is just me. I don't look at how much people know about the word. I look at the actions behind what they claim they know. Because a lot of people know about the word of God and they quote it, they post it, but you watch their actions and you don't see any of it. Even when they do something wrong, you don't see the the humble heart behind it. So I watch the actions and that lets me know of the type of person I'm dealing with. Because you can sit and watch a pastor preach all day and he can, he can seem like this most holy as holy as a person. But then behind the scenes, he's messing around with three or four members in the church. So you got to be careful what you listen to and just watch actions because action speaks louder. Amen to that. And I, I think when I said that, I was more so referring to how people interpret the scriptures on various things. So if they say, judge not, let's lest ye be judged. And then they don't read the verses before or the verses after and, you know, stuff like that. Right. You're listening to Candid Christian Conversations by StandFirmMedia.com. How should we handle family functions when there is strife within the family? So I recently had this situation and I just kept it moving. I personally wasn't going to try to make the whole day about me because it was, uh, uh, sadly enough, lost a young nephew of mine. And so I just internally maybe having some thoughts and such, but I didn't, I didn't say anything about anything. I didn't try to make it about me or any kind of confrontation or anything like that. I just kept it moving and kept the focus where it was supposed to be. For me, I just don't go. I... I understand, you know, you got to step out, you got to be seen, but I've grown to a point in my life where I'm not going to be uncomfortable. I'm not going to have put myself in a situation that someone has based, really just showed me that if I show up, that we're going to have an altercation. Like I know for a fact, just being real, speaking on my situation, if me and my mother were to meet up, the first thing she's going to do is she's going to flip out on me about not coming around and not calling. But you have my number. If you wanted to talk to me, you can call me. I just know what I'm going to get when I deal with you. And I just don't feel like dealing with it. That's understandable. I think any of us that say that we would handle it different would be lying. <laughs> I do, unfortunately. But let's, uh, let's piggyback on that right into this next one. Why do we see so many families in turmoil? In my personal opinion, I go to John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So we know who the thief is and and we know the thief's mission. I believe it all stems from that. Right. The thing is, with most families, I believe we've gotten away with away from the design that God has for our family. And we don't do things that we should do as building our families up. So it's when something happens, 
it just blows up in everybody's faces and it crumbles down because we haven't really built our families on a strong foundation. That is an excellent point. I think you're on to something with that. And I speak on that because I grew up in a single mother household and my mother had to work two jobs and doing so all she knew was work. She didn't know how to display love and affection. All she knew was work and all she did was prepare us, my brother and sister, was on how to work. You need to get up and get a job. You need to do this. You need to do that. But she never took the time to spend time with their kids because she didn't have it. And then when it came to a point of being able to communicate with one another based on her working so much, all she knew was I need to get past this conversation, need to get past this because I got to go back to work. And when you don't take time for family, for the things that matter, you create a like a routine that if it's disturbed, it causes so much conflict because it takes you off your square. You don't know what to do next. All you know what to do is to follow the routine that's gotten you so far. And in those uh, routines, I think we lose the ability to be flexible and see things from other people's perspectives. Exactly. Because sometimes rigidity is a thief to compromise. It's safe to assume we won't be ignoring other Christians in heaven. You know, I, I, I say this in jest, of course. So how can we get past our difficulties with family members? Because sometimes I see family members that are over the top with stuff, and I feel like they're faking it. Step by step, small steps, small conversations, small gatherings, small lunches, breakfast, dinners to get to know one another. And let's be honest, families don't know each other anymore. We still base everything off that little kid picture that's hanging up in your grandmother's house. And think that, oh, that's the person you are. It's like, no, I've grown, have my own ideas, to have my own thoughts. You need to know me who I am now as a man and not as a child and vice versa. I need to know who you are as my parent who doesn't need to take care of me, but who needs to be able to communicate with me as the adult that I've become. I really like that. That's really well said. Have you personally seen God work these situations out in your own family or in a family you're close to? I was thinking about this a lot. I know I've seen situations that have worked out, but I've seen so many situations in the last several years that are just negative. And these are like, you know, what I would consider to be strong value homes and such where there's siblings that don't talk or their parents child don't talk or there's something going on that is just so negative that it that it just doesn't seem they're going to get by it and i i hate to say it i just see think i see it more and more and more but i do think there's a silver lining because sometimes people get removed from each other's lives for a purpose what that purpose is you know i i don't always know but I'll tell you what, I've seen some good things come from the separations where people have grown while they're on the outs. And then if they do decide to come back together or when they come back together, then they're just in a totally different space. And those issues aren't so big anymore. I've seen this happen when somebody dies. When there's a, whenever there's a death in the family, that's when families decide to put things aside. Let's come together. And then during those times, you normally get the that's when the 
responsible adult comes out and realizes, man, we shouldn't have been arguing over that. That was pointless. We should have built on the love that we're supposed to have for one another. But death, especially in my family, me and my sister before we split, and we always said it's like our family is built on togetherness whenever someone dies. You go to the funeral, then after the funeral, you go to a dinner and see your cousins you haven't seen. And it's like, well, let's catch up. The thing is, after you catch up, you catch up to a lot of the bull crap that you were trying to get away from. So it's very challenging to deal with certain things of that nature for me. Can we or should we meddle in our Christian friends' family problems? You know, like act as a mediator or something along those lines. Or should we leave well enough alone? I feel as though there are certain circumstances where maybe I'm called or maybe I feel like I'm called to say something or to do something, take some action. And then there's other circumstances where I'm like, you know what? I better leave this well enough alone. But what do you say? I say pray about it and or pray with them if they allow you to, because getting involved sometimes can create even more problems because some people take it as you're choosing sides and they don't even want to hear anything you have to say. They don't even see the peace that you're attempting to bring to the situation. So be cautious as possible, but always pray about it. Always try to move with positive energy with the situation because you don't want to be the cause of it getting worse. Most definitely. Edmund, any final thoughts on this topic? I know it is a tough topic for both of us to tackle because we both have our own situations that have uh, been uh, challenging over the past several years for each of us. My final thoughts are this. If you are separated from your family member or whoever, the line of communication should always be left open for the opportunity to be able to reconcile. And I feel like you should do it when you're ready. It shouldn't be something that's forced. And if the line of communication is open, you can reach me whenever you want. So it shouldn't be, the responsibility should not always be on my shoulders. It takes two to have a conversation. It takes two to be able to work things out if there's a problem between two people. It should not always be on one side. I like that because it takes two to be in a relationship in general. So. Why wouldn't it take two to fix things? Well, I think we're going to leave it right there. This has been a very interesting topic. Do you agree with the things we said? Do you disagree with some of the things we said? What say you? You can hit us back at feedback at standfirmmedia.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. For Edmund, I'm Hank. Until the next time, we're signing off. Thank you for listening to Candid Christian Conversations. Feel free to submit your feedback by heading to standfirmmedia.com slash feedback.